This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. We're up to episode 29 of this eighth series of this Sounding Board for Drinkwise podcast. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you. And it's Tuesday of this particular week. Hachi, I know you well enough to know that you'll be making your way up towards Sydney for what is arguably Australian sports' biggest moment ever. Hello, Damo. I'll have FOMO tomorrow night. We're recording uh, stop timestamp, of course, Tuesday morning. We're recording, but uh, I won't be there tomorrow night. I've got some commitments in Melbourne on Thursday morning, which are uh, never not known to you be to avoided. Miss, never known you to miss something big. So well, the like, FOMO will kick in Okay, hard. let me go. You'll be there on Sunday night for the final. I would hope to be, yeah, if, I, if yes. Australia make it. And um, probably, probably not so much if I don't. But uh, it's been unbelievable. It's captured the oh, nation's yeah. imagination. It's been everything we thought it might be and more. Uh, what did you watch it? How oh, did you yeah. feel? Yeah, just like everyone else, it's. Uh, I actually had a little moment of emotion there at uh, at the end of it, and and I, I'm surprised that kicked in, but it did. Um, you couldn't script. You could finish the the penalties, which to some of the audience, there would have been a lot of non-hardcore football fans who wouldn't have seen dramatic penalties like that. Mm. It exposed the the mind games of the penalty to a whole new audience and people bought in very quickly as families and understood it and embraced it and yep. hasn't it grown the game? Yeah. And in women's sport, it's been a, um, a crowning moment for their Australia's much-loved team. I mentioned last night on the on Footy Classified, they, they from memory, got pay parity, the Matildas, with the Socceroos, and that looks like unders now. They look like <laughs> the more... Well, oh, well, they certainly are the more popular and emotive um, team in the Australian sport. Let alone it does, it does reverse that debate, yeah. yeah, potentially at least the, the debate part of it. Yeah, it does. Um, numbers are huge, Hutchie. I, I mean, we, you don't. I mean, you, you just know by way of uh, walking around the street to know people are watching it, but then you see the official numbers come through. And it must be said, congratulations to Channel Seven, who've you know really um, destroyed this in terms of very hard to find an event that drives scalable television like this anymore in modern time. So it's a huge coup, and that must be into peak hour conceded. You know, I'm a bit. Uh, what? You know, I get caught up in the ratings demo and the and the fact that measurement in Australia does not reflect consumption. And yeah, you think yes. I'm self-serving on this, but I'm, well, I've been a champion of the industry on this rather than ourselves. I feel you are self-serving on some aspects of this. But but having said that, your, yep. back, your background in this space is sound and you do pull apart the numbers that are attached. So here's the thing. All that should matter is how many people watch the game. It should not matter whether you watch on television whether you stream on 7 Plus, as I did on the weekend, whether you watch it on your telephone, whether you watch it at the local pub, whether you watch it with your next-door neighbour, whether you whether you stream it on the back of a cafe cup like we have in front of us right here, it does not and should not matter. So why are you watching it streaming-wise? You haven't got an aerial? Is that what you're Because this is all part of this conversation. Uh, the room I wanted to watch it in didn't have the aerial that suited the outcome. So 7 Plus did, yep. and you wouldn't have known the difference. But that's... Uh, no, but that's all part yep. of this conversation now, the consumption... But this is Channel 7's release, right, after the game. And I'll give you – see if you can spot the non-so-subtle <laughs> digs at measurement, right? Right. The Matildas' thrilling victory over France was reached by more than 7.2 million people, brackets preliminary data, <laughs> with an estimated average audience of 4.17. The estimated average includes the game's overtime, 
which was not captured in the preliminary Oztam broadcast audience numbers for the game. So straight away, Oztam can't give you the overtime. Right, the next day. Why not? Oh, please, give me a spell. Why not? I agree. Then... See, whole, see no, no one else has read this article. No one else has decided to pull it apart the like whole you. But keep world going. world is built on real-time data. Yeah. But by the time Seven put their release out the next day, they can't get the figures that define their business. Then the next paragraph. The game's adjusted average audience of 4.17 included a national broadcast audience of 3.67. So, so I'm already – my eyes are glazed over. I'm lost. I'm stopped already. Yep. Okay, so plus, – Plus 470 – this is the, the key number. 472,000 yep. viewers on Seven Plus makes the Matildas versus France the biggest streaming event ever seen in Australia. So that's an exact number, 472,000 streamed on 7 Plus. That's their ecosystem, their data, their knowledge. Brackets, Oztam data does not take into account out-of-home viewing at clubs, pubs, sporting venues, and so on. Next paragraph, you ready? Yep. According to the preliminary non-adjusted Oztam data. Oh, the non-adjusted one. <laughs> the game peaked at 4.43 million and dominated the slot. So the, I think no, you can I'm see lost. that this. What 7 can measure is exact, and what Oztam provide them is suggestive, which is... Peculiar in 2023, don't So can, can you just uh, wade through all of that and tell me what happened, numbers-wise? Yep, they absolutely crushed it. And I read they only paid $4 million for it, which is incredible, given what it's delivered for them in terms of free-to-air content. They could have gone all wrong. They did take a punt yeah. on Australia making the quarters and the semis. And after that game two, everyone thought it might be all over. But it has been an unbelievable uh, effort for seven. Um, there's so many angles uh, on... Just, oh, sorry, just on that. It's quite smart business, by the way. So they partnered with Optus. Optus had the rights. They've on-sold a parcel of free-to-air games for seven, and it's been good business for both parties. They In the ad market, they've cross-sold the three platforms. So Optus, they've got together and partnered on the ad sales side of it as well. So Optus, seven and seven plus, I think they had 10 packages, rough investment, about $1.5 million a brand, sold them out very quickly, about $15 million of revenue they generated just in the premium stuff. So, so the $5 million figure you're referring to there, that's for the broadcasting of the Australian Matildas well, I, games I read, and the final. I yeah. read that it's $4 million and they that was a parcel of games. So it was Matildas plus some. Plus final, which will yeah. rate regardless. It was all the, all the premium content. Now, Optus need a scalable free-to-air partner, A, for the eyeballs to drive their own ad sales, but B, because it doesn't really pass the anti-siphoning kind of public sentiment sniff test on why can't we watch this on Freddie Wear television. So they've been able to curate most but not all games. Find the loophole there and uh, tick that box. And Seven have gone in and said, well, why don't we do a version of this for you and how about we partner on the outside? So it's been smart business on both parties, I think. Yeah. And they've got an existing relationship with Clive Dickens, who was the seven-headed digis now, the, the lead at Optus who drives their content. They've been long in football, Optus, so they had to have this. They've driven subscription off the back of it, which drives the night. The, the have they driven subscription? I, I, I don't. I haven't been watching the well, other games. Well, the last we go back five or six years. It's a long time since the 2018 gaff where Optus got caned for the World Cup because the streaming didn't work didn't and they work. were an early adopter. But they've driven market share, which in telco is significant money, like big margin, on the back of football, and they've had this as a strategy. And seven have dovetailed in, and it sounds like they've just found a great business deal for each other, and it's one of those ones that'll go down as a, as a winner. Yeah, uh, there's there's many layers to this story, and 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 this whole Matilda's um, campaign, and and part of it's the emotion. But Hutchie, the, the success of anything, and, and this is this is what I want to just hone in on for, for a moment. You've got to win. You, you, you can set yourself up, you can send a message, you can tell everyone this is what we're going to do and it's the right thing to do, and it's, it's all of that. 
But the winning part of it propels you into the stratosphere of where you want to get to with, with all your initiatives and agendas. And there's too many bodies, and I'm not. This is not even a women's sport conversation now. There's too many organisations that get everything else right at the base level, but don't then go and win. Yep. And this is why I want to just focus on this for a moment, at least from your lens, being the businessman. The winning part of it's when it's all said and done, the most important part of it. We could have been bundled out in the, in the is, qualifying yeah. stages, and then we would not be talking this way today, and 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 other people around the whole country. And I think if you look at – go back go back to Channel 7 again for a minute. They've punted – and I don't know the number, but they, the paper said $4 million on, on Optus. So if if that's a that's a fairly manageable risk in a business their size given they pay the AFL probably that for, what, a weekend or half a weekend. Um, so, so they would have to have lived with the, them being out in, in two or three. And they're probably taking that. And as, remember, the, we, we, the Australian team, yeah. had to win that last qualifying game to stay alive. Yeah, we lost and the second game comfortably. 3-2, yeah, yeah, to Nigeria. Yeah. So it was a manageable risk, but you, your rides come together. There's been a little bit of luck maybe in terms of getting the right things happen at the right time, getting Sam Kerr back. Just back onto it. But the the, the, winning, luck the winning part of it, Hutchie, the, the winning part of it. And forget the TV numbers, forget the investment here. I'm just yep. talking about the success of anything. You've got to win. You, and people forget that. You do. And they don't actually prepare to win. They prepare to set up and they prepare for a bright future, but they don't prepare to win. Fairly big pressure to be a World Cup host nation, to have a team ranked 10 in the world, to have the best striker in the world in Sam Kerr, who's injured early, and still find a way to win. I think it's been magnificent. Mm. The Gen Z part of this is is really like, and you, we saw an insight into that already at the, at the last Socceroos World Cup, when venues and Fed squares were being filled and people are gathering with their friends. Uh, what we've seen here is an outpouring of a future sports fan and their family and kids dragging the parents. The family part of it's huge. Kids dragging their parents and grandparents yeah. into the consumption. And it is, it sets the tone for the evolution of sport in the next 10 or 20 years. I think it's been magnificent. And it would be frustrating enormously domestic soccer and football, which is really yet to get the same type well, of... Well, you say it's frustrating. Shouldn't... shouldn't that part of this organisation and business now be embracing this? Are you sort of saying that that it won't have an effect on that? Well, it, it can't have an, it can't have a negative effect, albeit they squandered it last time with the victory um, shenanigans at the uh, Amy Park soon after the Men's World Cup. I think uh, the uh, the final score of Vine, who is the only correct me if I'm wrong, A League player in the I've read that I, again. I've, I have read that Courtney Vine, who who kicked the the the, the but all the of these, penalty that won the game. All of these athletes began their career in the W League, and the opportunity for that league to market itself as the place where Matildas are born is enormous. But yeah. it's it's not it's easier said than done. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but anyway, it's a, the the consumption's been fascinating. Let's move off that to something far less serious, but but equally, I think. Um, hopefully amusing to our listeners of this show. You were once the best, and, and still will be forever and more, in my eyes, the best newsbreaker oh. on a TV perspective. And so, I say that, Hutchie. Don't be disingenuous. No, I'm just, just setting it up. You did this for a long time. You broke more stories than anyone in the history of the game, and Incorrect. you still got your, your line into that, that part of the operations. But I raise this because you caused a lot of friction over the journey, and you had a lot of fights with a lot of footy clubs and a lot of people. And one of those stories came out last week. You've told it, I think, a few times on the sounding board over the eight years we've been doing this show, but it involved the Western Bulldogs at a camp down at Sorrento, and it did emerge on the back of what Tony Liberatore said to us on Triple M, actually, on a, on a Friday night a couple of weeks ago, how he and other Bulldogs players at that time decided to uh, pick you up in your black suit and throw you into Port Phillip Bay. Yep. Now, what I can tell you today is, Hachi, 
vision has emerged of that incident. (laughs) And it is my great delight to be able to uh, share with our sounding board listeners. And and Jane, we'll get this onto the uh, sounding board Twitter following and other social media platforms. But it's fascinating, Hutchie. I hope people can have a look at this because you are wearing a black suit on the sands of uh, Portsea or Sorrento, wherever it is, and there's a lot of bulldogs, including Luke Darcy, who seems to be most central to uh, dumping you, you. Can you name the said bulldogs? The exclusive vision has emerged. Tony Liberatore throwing a punch at me. The, I reckon it's Steve Krediuk. I think I'm pretty sure it's Darcy. Who's the blonde head? Is that Brownie? I think it, it's... I'll have to ask him. It's probably Nathan Brown, I'd say. It's either Brownie or... Steve Crediol. And thank you very much to the person who sent Linked both of vision. us that vision. We will oh, we'll leave that person <laughs> nameless at the moment, but thank you very, very much for it. So I have to confess, there's a couple of inconsistencies that have emerged in my story. Well, I want to raise this yeah. as an outset. So it's 25 years yeah. ago, so my memory was a little foggy. But, but last week when we spoke about it, you said you were marched down the... Pier. You said the Sorrento Pier, or the, yeah. whatever pier it was. You said you were marched down the pier by a group of players, dumped off the end of the pier yep. into deep water... I think you even put some of your own mayonnaise about it, about it being tidal and you could have been swept out through the no, heads. No, you didn't say that, but you normally do. But you said you were thrown off a pier yep. and your phone dropped to the bottom of the... Yes. Now, now, that vision clearly shows yes. it was the yeah, shallows been... of the beach and you might have been in ankle deep water. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a couple of inconsistencies. And it may have only best been ankle deep. <laughs> the vision's damning <laughs> on the story. <laughs> it's an amazing find. How you found 25-year-old vision, secret B-roll. Well, one of our listeners found it for us. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and to that to that point, I have, on TikTok, been a follower of other content until now. I've made it my first ever post. Oh, really? So you can go to... Yeah, your first post, you should make a splash. Yeah. Those days, we're trying to find the front page splash. Although the splash you're showing so, is not as big as the one you described. You, so, you're barely yeah. wet in this. So at Craig Hutchie is my TikTok oh, here handle. Oh, we go. I didn't know we'd do it going down this path. And you can find the vision. You can see it on the sounding board uh, socials uh, on uh, on Twitter. Now, yes, it wasn't a peer. <laughs> in my mind, it was. See, and this is where credibility kicks in, Hutchie. You tell the story, and I accepted it as um, fact that you're thrown off a pier. Some... You would. So, if I presented that story on the eyewitness account of the person being thrown, it would yep. have been incorrect. The, the other part is that I, in my mind, my phone fell to the bottom of the water, <laughs> but clearly, in looking at the vision, <laughs> it was in my pocket. Yes. And, and it was probably usable. I don't think it even got wet. And the water wasn't really more than about one and a half to two feet deep, I don't think. So I can see there's real holes in my story, in my memory. I want to apologise for that demo. The vision is damning. I think this is going to be three weeks at the tribunal for misleading the the jury. In fact, it's almost bringing the uh, sounding board name into disrepute, Rule 1.6. But it's 25 years old, that vision, and that makes me feel very old. And that was how it was in my mind. If that happened today, and we did yeah. discuss this last week, if that happened today, if, if Tom Brown, Tom Brown, or Mitch Cleary, Mitch Cleary, Braden Ingram, anyone else, got thrown into the drink by a group of footballers today, yep. we'd have World War III on our hands. Yep. And there was a couple of little subtle punches that Libra was trying to throw and I was trying to throw back and... <laughs> Liber, Liber, and the vision when he you, retold the story a couple of weeks ago, his eyes lit up. Like he, he actually yeah. told the story with glee, and he and was his I, idea. And I, I think, think it was yeah. Das had said to him, "You got a couple of uh, sneaky lefts in." He goes, "Oh yeah, I did." <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the centre of so many stories that he that, yeah, that you probably covered. <laughs> that, uh, so yeah, what well, I don't know exactly what year it was, but I would say it was around. 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. So 24, 23 years ago, yeah. somewhere around. Anyway, that's and then the other, the two other things happened in the vision, by the way, that you haven't run. One was Terry Wallace, the coach, laughing and endorsing. Was he in the vision? 
He's in the long form. Did you watch the long form vision? I spent too much time trying to work out if that was Nathan Brown. With the, the if you go on and watch the, the postscript. Plough. Which maybe you can put up next week. The coach is seen laughing and endorsing <laughs> what happened with six of his players throwing a reporter in the drink. No one plough. It may well have even been his idea. So that might be part two next week. And then it looks like there was a means of transportation back to the office that wasn't traditional. How was it? It looked like we might have had to go to Chopper back to the office. I still must have stopped watching Which is a different I era of seven. Uh, there was a different era of channel. Like in those days, in those days in uh, the largesse of networks, yep. the Chopper was like, I remember Eddie and Quarters used to get, take the Channel 10 Chopper down to uh, Sereno to get fish and chips for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> These days you'd be in front of a, of a uh, parliamentary inquest if you took the Channel 10 Chopper somewhere. So who was it? Bronwyn Bishop. And she she took a chopper yep. somewhere, didn't she? <laughs> like for about. Well, actually, Luke Darcy took one from the so city of the Western to, Western Oval. So. so I'm just trying to run the economics on that. Going back to those days, hey, the Bulldogs got a pre-season training day down at Sorrento. Hmm. It's a bit of a drive down there. Is it okay <laughs> if we take the chopper? Yeah, it should be fine. How on earth would we? Imagine that in modern economic times, <laughs> taking a, a chopper. But it does look like so. We'll, part two next week, Jane. I think we'll do. The Terry Wallace vision, and it looks like the said chopper. <laughs> what about just while we're on vision, Barnaby Joyce's vision of, it, it of is... watching a soccer match on Saturday yeah. night? This has got so many layers to this. Can you set it up? Because you're actually yep. all across this, and I like it when you bring these type of issues to our conversations. Well, Barnaby Joyce tweeted vision or Instagram vision of himself watching the Australia versus France game in a pub. However... <laughs> The pub he was in clearly didn't have – the pub he was in had Channel 10 on who were sneakily replaying – correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> a the friendly. The friendly between Australia and France. And he felt that Australia got through on the back of a one-nil one scoreline after normal time. He and the entire venue. So he spent the next 48 hours thinking he was all the game. Barracked along to the Marvel Stadium friendly thinking they were watching the big event. <laughs> To the point where he didn't really realise until the next morning that he was watching. Now, if it was anyone else other than Barnaby, you're a bit shocked. Right? <laughs> yeah. It just felt very much... It felt Barnaby. It felt very much on brand <laughs> and it didn't feel at all confronting. <laughs> at some point, Damo, in a, in a pub full of 40 or 50 people and, and, there's, and you're all watching with phones, does someone say, wait a second, <laughs> since you're on my phone, it's nil all, it's just up there one nil. Fury, it was too good. It was fantastic, and of course, it does. It's a reflection of where Australian politics has got to. Oh, it is actually. Yep. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I set you a little task. I sent you a a, a text on Sunday yep. night when I sat down to watch um, on on delay, by the way. But it was the Channel Seven Spotlight program. Yep. Liam Bartlett uh, is back in the in the fold there, and. The whole story involving... Oh, you're bringing... excited. You're texting me. Are you watching this? How good is this? Well, no, I wanted you to watch yep. it. But, but I also sent that text knowing that you wouldn't watch it, Hutchie, because you, you, you prefer me to do all the heavy lifting on the opinions on these these contentious topics and you just sort of... Uh, I don't know the and scale swat. of time that you got on your hands. No, I, I didn't have a lot of time either, Hutchie, but I was, in, I was engrossed in it. And the reason you I sent you the text... You don't have a very busy week. I do have a very busy week. I just finished a very long article. The reason I sent you the text message was because you would have loved the journalism component to the storytelling. Right. And and I say that because of the recorded messages between Brittany Higgins and Lisa Wilkinson, which we have previously discussed and, and everyone else has as well in, in this story. There were also, I hadn't heard them before, it may well have been out there, but I hadn't heard the conversations between Brittany Higgins and Samantha Maiden, the, yep. the equally prominent, in fact, the person who broke the story. Again, neither 
person is doing anything wrong in, in my eyes, but the the replaying of said conversations after the event with everyone then having the, the knowledge of how this story has played out controversially at every step of its way, there's a different context to the rehearing and the re-listening of all this. And you, yep. you would have loved that aspect of it. You would have absolutely loved it. The story would eventually lead to the arrest of Bruce Lerriman and his subsequent trial. As journalists in Australia and overseas... Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Brittany Higgins. Hello, Brittany. Amanda Collins from Q&A. Oh, hi, Brittany. It's Barry Cassidy calling. Hi, Brittany. My name's Lydia. I'm a reporter with the New York Times. It's Michelle Grayson. Clamoured to speak to his accuser. Hey, Brittany. It's Erin Mullen here. My apologies. It's taken a few days to get back to you. But it would also raise questions about the conduct of some reporters. One of the most courageous women I know, Miss Brittany Higgins. Did journalists get too close? What do you want me to ask you at the press club? What wasn't revealed? Is there anything pissing you off that you need to talk to me about? And was impartiality and the presumption of innocence lost when it came to the accused man? You then had Linda Reynolds, who was the uh, the MP at the time and the person who um, Brittany Higgins reported to in, in, a, in her job, also speaking publicly for the first time at length in, in an interview situation. Extraordinary claims and counterclaims in all of that. You had Bruce Learman again for the second time to Liam Bartlett speaking as part of all of this and you thought it hit the mark the show I thought it did yeah as, as a presentation is, now, now maybe I'm, I'm coming at it I'm coming at it just before you ask this I'm coming at it though from from a journalist perspective yeah. yeah so that was where I was immediately I wanted to watch it I saw the promos to it I made sure I um, had recorded it enough to, to watch it from the start I wasn't convinced I was going to get through it but I was engrossed from the first minute and it ran for a very long time, and and, and even a little little twist at the end with the the Carla Zampatti jacket that um, Linda Reynolds said she owned, and and in a police report, Brittany Higgins had said she'd acquired that jacket through another means. Again, I'm not casting any judgment on any of this because I don't. The other thing I'll say, Hachi, before I throw it to you, I don't believe the every word of anyone attached to this. That's not to say I don't believe all words, but I don't believe the every word of everyone, and that that was another takeout. When you say you weren't sure you're going to get through it, I felt the same way when you started that story. But we got to the end, which is good. Uh, so I've managed to last till the end, which is nice. Well, uh, I would have liked you yeah. to have actually watched it so you could have partaken in the conversation. And as always, I've put my opinions on the table. And what are yours? I don't have any. I'm a little bit. Well, there you go. That's what you do. Than you. I'm yeah, not sitting home. Yeah. Chilling it's easy like. to, to not Tell to me, not have an opinion on this. Is stuff. the spotlight a weekly thing now that takes on 60 minutes, or is it a one-off based upon their well, 60 stories minutes was the was that that was arguably more explosive because they had the twin of the Dawson brothers, Chris oh. Dawson and oh. and is it is it Paul Dawson? Oh, so, you know you know the the teachers yep. pet podcast. So obviously one of those twins is, is has been the centre of all this story. Yep. They had ex- again this is genuine use of word explosive allegations against the other twin and and I watched that one as well. Again I was up all hours watching that yeah, and big uh, night for journalism. Yeah, it was a big night for journalism. Yeah. Well, do you think Spotlight is... And Tom Steinford did that report, and that was equally as compelling TV. Will it be a weekly series? Do you think, How hard is it to 
to come up with journalism at that level that oh, often. Oh, it's huge, yeah. yeah. It's huge. I, I'd imagine there's a payment to Bruce Lerman. You know, that's, that's my, it oh. doesn't matter if there isn't. But Here we go. Back to payments. Oh, well, You're obsessed with payments. He has spoken. Um, Why do you care whether he's paid? Because I, was about, I said that to then say this. I don't think I'd be surprised if Linda Reynolds was paid, and, and therefore she used that platform to speak at length for the first time. Speaking of journalism, I have a question to ask you. So you just moving off this now? Well, Which I asked you to actually get engaged for once, and you. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't know how many other ways no. I can say it to you. I yeah. don't feel one bit bad about that. And I knew you wouldn't watch it, even though I asked you to. And yeah. Well, if, if you think, <laughs> if you if you think I've got an hour to feed your to, to feed a two minute yarn on the sounding board in my setup, you, you're not really familiar with who we are or how we're going about this project. I just thought for once yeah. you might be able to, to to bring an opinion to this story, but no, yeah. no, no. no but we've managed to talk I, about watch, Brittany Higgins for two years, and you haven't offered one opinion on it. What I would ask the question of is this: I'm, I'm out there putting my opinions. Journalism. Out you talked about your love of journalism. You yep. talked about Sunday night TV, watching Seven and Nine. It was old school that one. Yeah, the, the old night. And you're coming off the back of a big month in your own. Um, opinionist world. You've been on a crusade against racing. We'll get to that soon. You've been denouncing gambling. You've taken Tom Papley down, of all people, last week. The Papley say. podcast. For those that missed it, Damo took aim at the Tom Papley podcast and the responsible gambling no. partnership with the Swans. Reset this. I took aim at the Swans. The Tom Papley's one of the great people you meet in footy, and you've gone him last week. No, I went the Swans. Again, don't misrepresent what I said, Hutch. You heard me say it. Channel 7 News Probes was the headline the next day on the podcast. A new punning podcast hosted by Tom Papley has caught the attention of the Responsible Gambling Office. There are now calls for him to temper his language. I go into this story. It's eight paragraphs in. Mm. And then it quotes you and the sounding board, which is the reference point. And then it, then Papley stood down from the podcast. So my, my question, long way of asking is this. With the conjecture in the papers on the weekend that Neil Mitchell may not continue at 3AW next year, yeah, are you making a late <laughs> run to throw your hat in the ring to be the new Neil? Because you, you share the cynicism, you share the takedown mentality, you share the I can't have this on my watch routine, you're anti-commercial, and I say that all this is very um what? I'm what? a big Neil fan. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah, Massive yeah, Neil yeah. fan. Yeah. I, but you, you wouldn't have listened to Neil ever, Hutchie. For the record, I would recontract Neil if I were running. I would too. And, and long term. I think he's fantastic. Yep. However, <laughs> are you making a play at Neil's seat? <laughs> Do you think you can reposition yourself? Well, has it, has it, how um, old are you? 52? 52. Ha, can you it, reposition yourself as a social commentator? No. Got, no and, and I know you're not being serious. I've got no interest in, in ever heading the sounding board poll today is, should Damo <laughs> make a play for Neil's seat? You're an idiot. Jane, do not put that out. Um, t- TJ's got that sign up, hasn't he? And if, if TJ well, doesn't, Eddie does, doesn't we'll he? come back to TJ. Actually, let's go to TJ, actually. Let's go so to just TJ. can you rule yourself out of the running? <laughs> I know you prefer the slapstick Boise vaudeville at Triple M, which is the muscle car, which is a little bit off-brand, and you've got this weird sense of loyalty too. So that's for 20 years. Are you ruling yourself out of the of the AW role? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to TJ. So you've got a scalp. Oh, I, no, no. When no, you, when no, you no, actually... Hachi, just, just be serious for once, okay? I just, feel just for Tom Preble because he works for us. He re- put me in a position. <laughs> I hadn't thought that one through, actually, when I realised the podcast that you had. Anyway. Well, we've been investing in Tom from an SEN track point of view. He's coming along beautifully. He's I got love a great Tom. personality. <laughs> I love Tom. And he, and, he loves the end. And his first piece of expressionism, you've taken him down. <laughs> you know, really unfortunate. When he, when he saw um, James Brayshaw uh, prior to a game and gather around, <laughs> it was on the ground, and he actually said to Jim, I was about to call the game he was playing in, 
get around me. Make sure yeah. you pump me up. Like, who does that? That's why I love it. No, that, what I said last week, was directed at, yep. the, at the high and mighty views of the Sydney Swans seem to take on a lot of things in life yep. and tell others how they should and shouldn't yep. live. And then maybe, maybe it's a little touch of hypocrisy under their own operations. But Let's get to the, the media stuff you talked about. So, Tony Jones. No, I, yep. You wanted to talk about this. I don't know yep. where you're going with this. When, oh, yeah, yeah. When and how did Tony become such a clickbait product that he's now veritying off the charts at the Herald Sun? So I think it started with the Sunday footy show, which has become weirdly um, covered. Every joke on the Sunday footy show is covered phonetically like it's... <laughs> yes. You know, and and in, the, people, in, the, in the text yeah, form, it doesn't say, have the... Oh, turn it up. Turn the it nuance. Up, turn it up, Damo. You don't know what you're talking about. The next day in the paper, you see, turn it up, Damo. You don't know what you're... T- like, they, they, they take the... the the fun, the literal, and turn it uh, phonetic. Is that the word? No, nah, I'd say that they take the literal, yep. um, textual so, version. So of that's the... spilled out into TJ. As TJ has become the butt of more jokes and laughs himself more than anybody. Yep. The his verity score has risen. People are realise he's driving subscription, and then it's what else you got on Tony? And so on the weekend we saw, could Tony Jones be set to snag a plum radio role? Oh, so this is the Neil, Neil Mitchell thing you're talking about. Yeah, I thought, oh, this is. Um, this is a big revelation. I'll have a. I'll click on. Yeah, you got me. Click. <laughs> so in I went. That's how you consume your media. I went in into the uh, Verity um, uh, role, and yeah. the story says the story ties this theory together. Well, if Neil does go, well, maybe Tom Ellie could get it, and then maybe Tony could be the drive host, and all those things are, a, I guess, some degree of a chance. But that is a long bow, right? Right. A, Neil says every year he might not go on. He's been saying that every year. B, Tom Elliott's been mooted for more roles than anyone in the history of the city. Yep. And then C, they don't run a process and Tony may or may not get it. But because he drives numbers, could he get the snag plum? It doesn't actually matter whether he's even been considered, contemplated or otherwise, and he'd be good at it, by the way. He's he's, um, used as the driver. He could get it, couldn't he? He's become cannon fodder. Cannon fodder. Here's the next thing that's going to happen. This food... Uh, uh, dramas going on the Sunday Footy Show, which is unbelievably interesting, good, good fun content. By the way, I'm a fan. <laughs> I laugh. You wait till that starts veering in the next couple of weeks. Well, <laughs> um, that might have reached its zenith. I think it's got another month. No, I think I think that's enough. Uh, last one on on media, and then we'll yep. move off. Channel Seven, we've given some high praise to today. You're the expert on this area, right? No, I'm not. So I come well, to whatever you as, you're about to go to. I'm not. I come to you as the resident sounding board. What? Armchair expert, pardon, do you use their parlance? Yeah. On the roles their talent play. Now, you are on the record, on the sounding board, Am as I? saying there's two James Brayshaws, right? There's... Yeah, and this didn't... There's slapstick, fun, uh, irreverent, well, there's the, there's the, highly entertaining, Jim. There's the person I have come to know as a very special person well, you're and his friend. Turtle. You're his turtle. And, and someone who I find extraordinarily humorous yep. and funny and engaging and warm and witty. Yep. So you're his turtle, right? I'm a friend. You're his turtle. If you go back and watch the Andrade, yeah, 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 Damo's yeah, the one yeah, driving yeah, the car. Yeah, it never got a laugh the first time. James you said it. is Vinnie Chase. It didn't get a laugh the, the tenth time you said it. And, and Hutch, if you it. keep saying it, it's not going to get a laugh. Keep going. You're yeah. his turtle. Yeah. Okay. For the purpose of this, I am. So yeah. you've got to the left, slapstick Jim, right? Triple M. No, slapstick just Jim. normal Jim. Jim. No, no, that's it. Jim. The Jim. And, that, and that's his personality. And that's the Jim you know too. And then you've got, in your words, I don't know why you're setting this up again. I, I, this caused me problems last time. And then you got, in your words, yep. not mine, the watered down. Uh, straight. Channel 7, Jim. Uh, constricted, Jim. 
Right? <laughs> is that a fair assessment? Some of words I don't yeah. think I use, but that's the general premise. Yeah. So my question to you is: the, ge- the Channel Seven Jim who commentates football after the long-awaited Channel Seven footy show is about to be rolled out called Talking Finals, yes. which was reported in the Herald I Sun, saw that. I saw which that. was kept so secret internally, by the way, that they were using code names for who the panelists were in the rehearsal. Really? Yep. Really? That's it, my is desk. that because egos got out of? Was that? The people who missed out wouldn't have liked all that. Oh, actually. So my question is, with Trent Cotchin and Joel Selwood being signed, who've had amazing football careers, are amazing people, but perhaps not known for their humour, which version of Jim is hosting the final show on, and how, what, how does he play this? Does he become fun-loving, easygoing, uh, easy, uh, like laugh a minute Jim, or does he well, have to turn himself into Tim Lane Jim? Is he... <laughs> Is he going to be allowed to do that? I say that as a compliment to Tim, who's a straight uh, front man who's been in the I'll let career. you keep digging on that one, Hutchie. Well, no, that's, that's true. Does he become, because Tim hosted Talking Footy for a while, does he, does he, which, he? yeah. Which, Tim Lane? I'm sure he did. Which path? I don't recall. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I don't recall that at all. Which path does he go down, David? Well, what do you reckon he's going to go down? <laughs> have an opinion for once in a while. Just have an opinion. I'm a big believer in his talents. I think he'll get the mix between the two right. Is Trent Koch and he's right? Right-hand man. Well, it's fresh talent. Because Trent's can't. not. Trent's not known for saying stuff. That... I, I think it's being pitched at a more considered view of the finals rather than a... Yeah. So I think Trent and Joel are bang on brief for fresh faces who are contemporary in the game. I just did... Seeing <laughs> Channel 7, Jim in the middle, that was the one that kind of caught my eye more than the other two, to be fair. If they had been doing a variety show, I was like, I would have been all in. But do they want to do a variety show? It's my question to you. I'm asking you what type of show we're going to see because there's two gyms in your world. Well, I'm keen to see the gym I know, but I don't want to see the gym I know because that would be good for Channel 7 if they let him be who he wants to be. Can you do me a favour? Come back next week and report (laughs) what role Jim's being asked to play and which Jim is doing the show. The problem both you and I have got with this is Talking Finals is going to go up against Footy Classified. Is it Monday nights, is it? Monday or Wednesday yeah. or whenever, whenever night it is, yep. yeah. So so he won't tell us because we're now we're about, compared well, to We're 17 years in. I think we'll, I think we'll be all right. Oh, Hutchie, that's, now, that's going to get picked up. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> there, there, there's the Herald Sun, you idiot. My tongue is firmly in cheek the whole way through this <laughs> Yeah, that won't get quoted. <laughs> but I'm just curious if you could tell me which gym is being employed. When they sat down and said, now, James, going to do talking finals. Um, before we go any further, um, there's two gyms. Which one are we talking to? I disagree with you, by the way. I think there's one gym. Oh. <laughs> no. You reckon there's only one gym? Yeah. No, there's, there's a Channel 7 gym and there's Triple M gym and... Leave me out of the Channel 7 one, as, yeah. as a rule. Hey, um, Good to see them doing a final show, though, by the way. I think it's a good move, and uh, it's good for the game. <laughs> now, maybe this is of only fascination to me, Hachi. I don't know whether our listeners... I think they do. The sources and the, and the attribution it's of sources. It's a fascination to you. It certainly yeah. is. But, no, but it must be to some listeners, because I'm, I do get sent a fair bit of stuff. And I, and I did get this one sent to me during the week <laughs> by a keen listener. Um, now, the, <laughs> this is a good one. A police source close to the investigation, so there's already a reference, yep. a police source, co- comma, speaking on condition of anonymity, so there's a second layer yep. of attribution, yep. and here's, here's a third layer, because they were, quote, not authorised to comment publicly, right. comma. Oh. That's a triple-layered Disclaimer. banger <laughs> on a source. <laughs> and thank you for that person who yep. said that one through. Yep. That's nearly an impeccable source. Yep. So go, go, go through it again. They're, oh, just shut down the screen. They're speaking <laughs> on, the con- on the condition of anonymity. 
I'll just read it without the Look, uh, I'm, happy, I'm happy to talk to you, a but police before we get started, you must not mention my name. A, a police source close to the investigation speaking on condition of anonymity because they were yep. not authorised to comment publicly. Yep. That's that's good. That's good. That, that might be clubhouse leader for our uh, Soundies. I don't mind it at all. Were the Soundies back this year? Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't really sort of sit too much of light in the town, do they? Yep. We, we do the Soundies. Yep. Yep. Um. Where are you going next? I don't know. I was, you because I had to go back and talk up that um that uh, f- find that screenshot again. Now I know you don't like me going down this path, and, and I get why, Hutchie, because you are a great supporter of uh, horse racing. But I've got this is me looking at that sport without covering it, but just looking at it from afar. Major, and you know this. This has been a twelve month, maybe even a three year issue with Victorian racing, how they are just so far behind the trailblazing elements of Peter Volandis and others, and others. Andrew Jones did the rounds during the week, head of Victorian racing, and has got on the front foot, did I think just about every media outlet that wanted to have him on over the course of the past week, and I don't think he covered himself too well. And I'll just, and you would have seen this because it was on your platform, SEN Track, Gareth Hall, asking him a certain question. Are you concerned, however that you're losing the faith of the industry participants? No, it doesn't worry me at all. I don't do this for self-preservation. I do this because my job and my um, career and my profession is doing strategy in sport and working out how to grow sports. And I think we've, and the team have a very clear idea how to grow racing. And, um, and you know, we just have to get that message across. So it doesn't bother you then that, you might be dividing the industry between participants and and racing Victoria? I've learned very quickly in racing that there's almost no topic that everybody has the same point of view on, Mm -hmm. Uh, unless it involves racing Victoria paying for something, which is, uh, you know, a a topic that gets consensus. People disagree on almost every issue. I'm all for strong leadership, but I'm all for making decisions that actually sometimes rock the boat of people involved in the organisations to which you're representing. But that was a very dismissive, in my eyes, answer to the question about the most key part of the operation. And how should he have answered it? In a way that didn't, I feel, smash the people that yep. that he needs to have with him to help change, that, that whatever it is he wants to do. And, and that's the other issue I've got with it, Hutchie. If their best idea, and, and it must be their best idea because it's the only one they seem to talk about the other day, is teams racing. I'd love to use a word I don't want to use, but my God, if, if that is their best idea to, to grow the sport and to wire – how are we going to go wiring up a jockey when, when, when jockeys – and we had it four weeks in a row or three weeks in a row in, in the spring carnival where, where jockeys fell, Jamie Carr being one of them. We had a death on a racetrack not long after that, a death of a jockey. How are we going to go if someone's wired up and that particular jockey falls for reasons that may not relate to being wired up. But how's that going to be received? First of all, I'm a touch more familiar with the concept now than I was when we first spoke about it. The teams racing. I don't want to get into any more detail on it. Yeah, we are referring about teams racing. Yep. Yeah. A certain um, group of trainers uh, and jockeys basically competing against each uh, other in a team event. All, all I would say is I am a believer in the concept. Oh, of course you are. I think they have found a model that works. Oh, please. And oh. I think if marketed correctly, which will oh. be the challenge, oh. it will be... This might be your finest... Have we got the Spin City? It'll be a, it'll be a We success. might have to play Spin City as a, as, a, as a music bed of this. And more on that in the coming weeks, but it is... 
it's really good. But the design of it is. Well, re- t- let us in, Archie, because Andrew Jones spoke for. I can't go on any for any, minutes and minutes and minutes, and I couldn't make it. I'm in a position where I can't go any further detail on it, but I think it's very good. Oh. <laughs> on Andrew Jones, I take your point, and clearly on our socials on SEN Track, there was a, a largely negative reaction to that, albeit from an industry that, um, you know, can obviously get a little worked up at times with these type of things. I understood what he was. First of all, I think he's. It's great that he did the rounds. I understood what he was trying to say. He's trying to say it didn't bother him personally, and that he's a big boy can handle these things. But in the in the in the um, that was misconstrued by the industry, and understandably so. He didn't answer that perfectly, and in hindsight, could have answered it in a slightly different manner that didn't help that misconstrue. But his his intent was good. He's saying, I can live with whatever people think about me. I'm just here to help everyone. I'm all for an organisation making tough calls. Don't get me wrong about that part of it. But I I felt the tone and the manner of that comment. So the right answer was something like this. Are you concerned that you're losing the faith of the industry participants? Andrew Jones could have said, well, look, the industry participants are really important to us. They are central to what we do. Every decision we make, while not always popular, is with their love, care and intent and and greater good at heart. Now, if I make some decisions that the industry don't love, uh, I can live with that because I'm here to help drive change. So long as that comes from a position of respect and and I can at least have the opportunity to take the industry on the ride with me to explain what we're trying to achieve. And I will always be open to hear their feedback, to listen to their... But at the end of the day, I've got to make decisions. Something like that. But when he said it doesn't worry me, he was speaking from the heart. Mm. But that that's the first clip you see and it gets misconstrued. And so I understand what he's trying to say. I think he's um, fantastic for the sport. We'll get off this in a moment. But just give me one reason to think that's gonna work, that concept's going to work. Because to me, it, it will be a well, disaster. Well, I've given up trying to argue with you on things because I almost came in with, the, with a, dressed in a tank costume today just, just to illustrate the point that your thoughts on tanking are so wildly off the mark and that Hawthorne have actually proved you wrong by picking a better team than hang the one on, on. to pick. Let's go down that path again. Remind me where they are on the ladder, Hawthorne. Just just please, well, factually, well, for people who don't follow football, where, come, are they, where are they on the ladder? I'm going to come back to the Hawks in a second. Where are they, where I'll, are they more, I'll have one more go if you want. On the team's racing front, doing something different where the sport stands out differently in a different time slot in a different manner in a different way for a short period of time as opposed to the other 365 days. So a different same- time slot. This is this is might be what you're referring to. No, by I, way I, of I think secret the, the little vision, knowledge. The vision they have for it packages the concept in a very different way, and it's something as a fan I could buy into. I think I don't have any, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have a role in the room. Uh, other than I think it's it's got some merit. Are you gonna are you gonna try and buy the media rights to it? Because I've been told you you are. No, you're not. I can rule that out. I can rule that one out. Okay. The question on the Hawks. No, oh, <laughs> you embarrassed yourself last week. Well, the poll would suggest I was about ninety six percent favour my way. You embarrassed yourself last week. No, just remind before you set this up again yep. and set it up. Just where are the hawks on the ladder? Finishing like a train with a younger list. No, no. Where are they on the ladder, 16th. please? Yeah, and, yep. and and how many games are they behind the fifteenth place team? Just again, just put it out there. Irre- no, well, they're, they're two games behind the fifteenth place team, and irrelevant. They're already one. So, they're, they're one win short of where they were last year. So let's just table all that. So just to back over one last time. You felt that Hawthorne were doing a version of tanking by trading O'Meara, Mitchell and Gunston. Gunston wanted to go, the other two didn't. The Hawthorne fans would say, O'Meara hasn't done much at Frio. Mitchell's in and out of the Collingwood team. And this young midfielder that's unlocked in Newcomb and Day yep. and 
has is inspiring to us, and we can't yeah, wait to watch I would them agree. play. I agree. I they look great. And they're finishing like a train with seven wins. And yeah. I would argue when there's nothing at stake. If they haven't got, if they've got Mitchell and Amir in that team, and yeah. not, not giving the kids the opportunity, they probably yeah. might be four or five wins. So your tanking theory was wrong. Hachi, you will never concede it. They are third last on the ladder. The two teams beneath them are the two everyone, of the worst teams we have ever seen. Everyone, it's been perfect for them. Everyone tipped them to finish bottom. Winning doesn't matter. I don't know a Hawthorne fan now who's on board the strategy other than you. And so my Twitter feed keeps – and just keep copying us both in because the Hawthorne fans are up and about it. And I am with I've you. won the debate. I stand with the Hawks. They are, they are 16. I might be a guest on Hawks Insiders on whatever that uh, – Klebanski. Klebanski. show is. Uh, I might go and join that program this week and lend my, um, my voice. Hawks Insiders for change. Is that, is that what it is? You, unlike Caroline, who even admitted she got Hawthorne wrong, <laughs> you are incapable in no. life of admitting error. Well, I, there's no need. The, the the debate is finished. You're embarrassing yourself by raising Stuck. it. The team is 16th. Your stubborn petulance. It, it's it's cannot go lower. It could. You couldn't it's finish been, lower than 16th this year. It's been the biggest, easiest knockout punch argument I've ever seen. In in the 2023 season, you could not finish lower it's, than 16th because of 17th and 18th are, are almost not non-existent. It's outperformed what the other team that you would have had them have Listen would have you. done, and they've built and they're fast tracked by probably two years where they're going. I think it's Just, been genius. And they're 16th and two games behind Genius. 15th. Are we? You're embarrassing yourself. We're going to go to question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Now, Jane parked this one from last week. Uh, Nick Brown via Facebook. Uh, when did you both decide to change roles on the podcast? Hutchie now being the conservative one by talking about other people's opinions. Yes, on things so he doesn't have to share his own. Also mainly giving fives on the scorecard to sit on the fence. While Damo is now the commercial beast taking money from bookies and, th- yep. and treats this as an ad to over-promote and talk up all the other platforms he's on and releasing it themselves on Monday during night the Matildas game. Do you think... Other report authors will do the same to give their work the oxygen they deserve. <laughs> well, Nick, this is a good Nick, point. Nick's tapped into something that's happened here, Hutchie, and I'm aware of it. I'll Nick's what, aware yeah, of it. I, I touched on it earlier in the... You've changed. At 52, you are repositioning yourself for a run at an AM next journey. <laughs> You've gone, this triple ending can't last much longer. <laughs> They're not going to want 60-year-old people laughing at jokes <laughs> and offering no news. <laughs> So I wanted to make a run. Being a, and so this is why you, you got together with Peter Credlin, Tony Abbott, me, and me. Neil Mitchell. You've had a you've Dutton, you've had a dinner and you've gone, you know, well, this, this well, work for Ripping Reader. How do I repackage myself here well, as a Once again, once again, you just diverting off what the actual core of this question is. You offer nothing. You actually offer no opinion on this show anymore. You, you refer to people you employ as your opinion. You you back off yep. mine. I, I've, I've offered this opinion today. Your take on Hawthorne oh, please. is the single biggest misread I can remember a football commentator having of a team in the history of the game. Hachi, you are, How's that for an opinion? All, all you do now is is have cracks at your co-panellists. Kane Corns last week, you you don't pay in this sport anymore. You tried to trade off. Were you trying to trade off last night, Harry Mackay? Yep. Hachi, it doesn't work that way anymore, mate. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't. And when a team finishes 16th, so Nick, and there's two matches behind 15th. specific question, Nick. Yeah, I can live with becoming a, a, a little bit more, more mellow as I get older. But Damo, oh, just watch this step. Watch the next move of Damo. I think he's about to... 
Definitely time to finish this episode up. <laughs> episode 29, Series 8 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're don't choosing forget, by the way, to change quick, your ways quick or promo drink. Before you go. Yeah. Don't miss on Thursday. So this week we've got. Hang on, we've done this before. Today. We've, we've promoted this before. Today we've got this, obviously the Sounding Board dropping. Questions drop tomorrow on Wednesday. And on Friday, we're going to drop oh. the Damos dish for Cobra Estate, which was a fantastic start. Good, good, good feedback last week. Very good feedback. But on Thursday, for McDonald's... Oh, I'm worried about doing this. Win Freeman Cafe Coffee for a year on the My Macca's app. And we've, for promoted, the, we've promoted this before. And for the Perla t-shirts, get to getperla.com. Look your best t-shirts. Gary V, is, with $10,000, going to Ronald McDonald House for this, by the way. We promoted this a month ago. He's joining us on Thursday, and we will drop this Thursday afternoon. So a huge week on the sounding board. And then on Saturday, we've got our collab with Hawks Insiders, which will be... <laughs> with Klebanski. <laughs> with uh, Molly, whatever his name is. So there we go. So that's all ahead of us this week on the sounding board. Thanks to the wonderful team at Drinkwise. And this final series, and particularly for the Matildas this weekend, if you're watching, you're enjoying it, you won't want to miss a moment if you drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.